0: It's there you'll find connection and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast today. We have a special guest with us, Lenora from Better Speech. And so I'm going to give it to her to kind of introduce herself and just tell us a little bit more about how you got into what
1: you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. So, yes, my name is Lenore Edwards, and I am a board-certified speech-language pathologist with Better Speech. And we are actually an online speech therapy company that's been online since long before the pandemic. (laughs) So I'm very comfortable with Zoom.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So one of the things that I really wanted to chat with you about that I think really pertains to the audience here is how speech and language can translate into behaviors, especially when our kids are still either learning language and they're younger, because that's when we see a lot of, you know, the tantrums and the meltdowns, especially as they're coming into their their language and trying to have control and learning all of that. Um, but also for kids who maybe are a little bit delayed and kind of focus our conversation around that. So if you have anything you want to start out with, feel free. Otherwise, maybe just jumping into... Um kind of how you sort of handle those types of situations when you know kids are low in their language skills or maybe even having difficulty like understanding their articulation of words because sometimes we still have that um too. And just kind of maybe what you do for that or if you have like a couple tips for parents um, to kind of work through some of those struggles
1: absolutely. those are those are such phenomenal insights because I know it can be really frustrating when, you're wanting to communicate with your little one and your little one is wanting to communicate with you and it's just not happening. It can be very upsetting. And a lot of the time, especially when I'm working with families, the nice thing is that when I work with families with Better Speech, we are online all the time. So we're already set up in a place that you're most comfortable. When it comes to your little one wanting to communicate, we often encourage people to continue to talk with them and to support them in any type of communication that they're actually expressing. So whether it's a vocalization or an intent to communicate, whether they come up to you and they show you the toy, wow, thank you so much for sharing this with me and showing them that you're excited by their communication is really a great thing because children are wanting to naturally come to you. And even though they might not have the words, they can understand Expression that you're having, and a great thing to also do is offer those opportunities. So, as adults, especially as as very nurturing people, we're often wanting to do so much for for kids so that they're not burdened with the task. But to really take a step back and sit on your hands if you need to, and to allow them the opportunity to vocalize, to do the task themselves in the appropriate manner, but to do as much as they can so that they can start communicating and understanding on a deeper level that they can do it themselves. So when they do vocalize, even if it's uh for, uh oh, or for, I'd like that. That's okay. Celebrate the vocalization. And what we often encourage people to do is over, even when I see little ones do it, I heard your voice. And I don't know if there's video, but I will quite literally touch my ears. Thank you so much. I heard you. And I'll even point to my throat or my mouth indicating that's where the sound came from because we have a ton of language, which is great, but 70 plus percent of our language, depending on the research is nonverbal, which means we're communicating with our face. We're communicating with our gestures. We're also communicating with our tonality, not just the words. So how are they understanding that they're communicating, and how is it received when they're communicating. So if we're stuck on the word of say please, say please, say please, and they're attempting it, that's a great thing. Even if it's just an approximation, that's great. But if they're not accomplishing the exact word that you want, that's on you to some extent. So we want to always encourage them to communicate. And when we, they are communicating, we want to celebrate it. that they understand they're doing something really, really good. When it comes to things that can be really frustrating for them, especially when they're experiencing big emotions or they're tired and there's a lot going on, do what you can to minimize the things that are going on. So if there's five people over and the TV's on and they're trying to communicate and this, that, and the other thing, find a quieter space, bring them to a quieter space. And the reason is, is because There's a lot going on and it's difficult for them to clearly tell you what they're wanting. So when you bring them to a quieter space, have them understand them through your tonality. Oh, you want to tell me something. I want to hear you. If you come across in a, well, I couldn't understand you when you were in the other room. If you come across in that tonality, they're understanding that what they have to say is not going to be received very well and they're going to be less inclined To communicate. So, do as much as you can to offer support, and support comes in many different ways.
0: Yeah, I feel like I was trying to take notes on all the things you're saying because there's so many things there that I feel like are related to obviously a lot of the stuff that I share. But um, firstly, when you were talking about if they bring something to you, um, that's one of the things, you know, as an OT. I think people know that, but I guess I didn't really say that at the beginning of this episode, but, and you're a speech therapist, so we tend to work, <laughs> work hand together in positive environments. Um, but as they're coming to you, or oftentimes I'll notice, and I think sometimes we miss this quite a bit, especially now when we have our phones and we're maybe not quite as attentive. We think like, mm-hmm. oh, our kids are playing they're, you know, they're off doing their own thing. So I can do whatever. I find so much of the time when I just keep my phone down. And I'm just watching them, even though I'm not like interjecting into their play, they will look to you to be like, do you see this? Like, is this, you know, this a good thing. Is this like Mm -hmm. kind of get your reaction to develop some of those skills. Um, and also just what you were talking about, about saying, like, I heard you, I think so much of the time we get frustrated, because they're frustrated and it just kind of keeps amping up and just like mm-hmm. you can't step back and saying like our kids are just trying to communicate and they're getting frustrated just like we get frustrated when we can't understand what they're saying um as far as like you said you know minimize what's going on in the environment if you do that say somebody is doing that and they still can't quite understand their child I mean mm-hmm. oftentimes so my three-year-old had a speech delay. Um, he had torticollis at birth since I'm an OT or not at birth, but like shortly after I noticed. And since I was an OT and I've worked with kids and done the stretching and stuff, um, I noticed it right away. And anyway, like there's all, he also had a tongue tie, which I didn't know right away. So if there's anything you want to speak to that, but because of how he, like, his physical body wasn't, like, in a great alignment, so a lot of the speech stuff came later, and so there were times where I just couldn't understand what he was saying, and and I think our draw often is to be, like, mm-hmm, okay, <laughs> you know, and just, like, let's try to move away from this as fast as we can, because, you know, it can bring up feelings for them and for you, and so sometimes I would say, like, can you just show me, I mean, do you have any other, I know it's kind of a tricky spot, but is there anything else or um, any other tips that you would say, or do you try to get more to those visual things like for those kids who are really trying to communicate something, but instead of just trying to like blow past it because you have no idea and you're trying to stop them from feeling like you can't understand and the frustration there, like, is there anything
1: else that you would add to that? If they're trying to communicate something to you and you're saying, show me, that's a great thing because they're understanding, okay, they they don't understand me verbally, but I can still communicate this way. And when you receive whatever it is, you can, oh, this is what you want. Thank you for showing me. And you point to your eyes or thank you for hearing me. You point to your ears. Thank you for saying this. You point to your mouth. You're telling them how you understood what they were communicating. So thank you for showing me. I see, I see this that you brought me. When they're still having trouble communicating, and let's say you're in the the playroom and what they want is in the refrigerator, if they can go to the room, but also if that's not possible and you're doing as much as you can, offering two choices can be really helpful. You want this one or this one, and you're showing them two choices because if we say, show me, and they're looking, show me which toy you want, and they're looking at a, a stack full of toys. That can be really overwhelming because they, they don't know what to call it. So if they can't go up and touch it, bring something to them. Did you want something to eat or did you want something to play with? Did you want to lay down? Did you want to go to the bathroom, whatever the case is? And showing them something associated with that. Sometimes picture cards are really helpful and they can communicate the direction of where they want to go or what they may need. And that's a good thing. Some people will frown on picture cards. Because they'll say it limits them to pictures. But at the same time, there's two sides to everything. And it can be a direction that they need to be supported in because they might not have the vocabulary or they can't, they, they're having trouble making that association. But if they see the picture of a, a apple juice, then they, oh, that's what I wanted. I wanted something to drink and I didn't know how to say, I want something to drink. But thank you for showing me the picture because now I can tell you that is what I wanted. So they're very good for direction. And then as you're going, say you're going for the drink, we're going to go into the kitchen and we're going to open the refrigerator. Let's take out our juice. And as you're as they're drinking, as they're holding it, you can practice juice. We wanted something to drink. Ah, that feels so much better. And getting them to understand that association of what they wanted. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. Now I understand you wanted a drink. And really, in the, when, when emotions are running high, especially when your child can't communicate, and then as a parent or guardian, you can feel, oh my God, I'm the worst parent in the world. I can't understand my own child. And your emotions are starting to come up. It's best to do what you can and pause time and say, you know what? For the next five, 10 minutes, we're just going to sit here. We're not going to go anywhere now. We're going to race out the door. We're not going to do anything. We're going to sit here and we're going to do the best that we can. And in that moment of allowing yourself to pause and to recalibrate, take a breath. I can figure this out. How might I be able to help my child? Asking yourself those questions, asking yourself to pause and allow yourself the time and the space to figure out to the best of your ability how to help your child will result in your child's regulation of their nervous system because you are the lead you are the one in charge when you can control your nervous system to a calmer state they will wire to you and that is a very good thing because then we are in more control than we may have been led to believe
0: there's so much aligned there
1: as you're talking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Um and what you said about the picture cards I think just even um you know obviously as an OT we use them a little bit differently sometimes you know for schedules or something but I always think um you know if people get com- um hung up on kind of that limiting I think the thing that I really love about visuals and it doesn't obviously have to be something that you're always using or or whatever but is that most kids are visual learners most people are but also if you're getting frustrated by the conversation, it's a good way to kind of come just to this neutral place versus like trying to go back and forth and figure something out. And it just seems to help kids kind of calm down a little bit. And us too, you know, we're just <laughs> focusing on these pictures here. Like this is kind of where we're going or mm-hmm. here's your choices. Um, and then you were talking about, you know, How, kind of, what we call, you know, as an OT, like the co regulation piece. Like, if you Mm -hmm. can just kind of calm down, your kids can maybe bring it down a little bit. And I always try to encourage parents to shift their perspective, like thinking about how frustrating it is for you that you can't understand your child. Then, okay, how frustrating must it be for them? They're really Mm -hmm. trying to tell you something and they can't get their point across. Like, how frustrating that must be. And um, I think when we can, kind of think about it in that way it makes it a little bit easier to slow ourselves down Mm -hmm. one thing that I wanted to ask too is um I know a lot of times um and I don't know if this is kind of like traditional versus Montessori or where this comes from but I've just seen a bunch of different things here and there throughout the years about how we're constantly trying to like interject learning into play you know like Oh, is that red or blue? You know, when we're just, they're just trying to play with blocks or something. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm curious, like where, where do you stand or what would be your recommendation for a child who is kind of in this stage, whether they're, you know, maybe they have a diagnosis that impacts speech or maybe they're delayed. Maybe they are just kind of in the phase of they like to do what they're trying to communicate more than they can actually verbalize. Like, where do you recommend like kind of adding in some of that instruction, but also not making it always about instruction? I know speech is a little bit different because you're you're kind of talking all the time anyways. But, you know, like if you can just maybe kind of talk a little bit about that and maybe where you stand or some recommendations or tips for parents as they're navigating
1: through that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, I do want to just circle back quickly. When So as parents and guardians, we can be frustrated completely. And then your child's also frustrated. When we're trying to solve, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And your brain's racing. Allow yourself to pause. And a great question or a great word to interject is, how might I be able to help? What else might be going on? So if you take the word might and you start interjecting it, into your questions that you're asking yourself. What what do they want? What might they want? I don't know what they want. How can I help? How might I be able to help? When you start adding that, you take our, our what can feel very limited and narrowed focus at the time of just sheer frustration and you open your mind to going, what might I be able to do here? And when you allow yourself to pause and to regroup, how might I be able to help? You allow different things to come in, different perspectives different ideas. And it's a lot like finally pulling on the door that says pull. If we're going, what else can I do? What else can I do? When we go, what might I be able to do? We pull that door open versus pushing on the door that says pull. So it really is helpful to start interjecting the word might into your vocabulary, just from that shift in perspective. And then when, especially when little ones are starting to speak, or we're really encouraging that speech, Little ones will develop as they are ready to develop. So as we continue to support them, that's a great thing. And with speech development, to remember that these are are guidelines. If your child is not saying exactly 20 words by such and such time, it's okay. These are windows and guidelines that we're working with. If you have questions of which I don't know if anybody's ever rolled over at 2 a.m. and had a question like me, I am somebody who likes to reach out and to talk to a human And I also like to not wait six months to ask a human questions. And one thing at Better speech that I'm incredibly proud of is that if you're concerned that your child has a speech delay, you can call us up the next business day and we will be able to connect you with a speech language pathologist immediately. So you can actually talk to a professional and you're not going to get a clinic that says, hey, please wait six months to speak with a professional. I think that's huge. And for me, it's, it's a huge relief and I'm incredibly proud of that. When it comes to us talking and narrating for for our little ones, especially when they're playing, asking them questions is always a great thing, but not in, which one is this? Is this red or blue? Red or blue? Which one? You show me. Which one is red? <gasps> oh, so close. That's blue. The here is red. And making it fun and playful. Talking from a space of love. Talking from a space of I have the best intention and I don't want to be testing you every single day. That's truly important because as we're talking, especially especially when people tell me that they're expecting, I go, great, start talking <laughs> because language is constantly going in. Even though your three-month-old is not vocalizing yet, even though your eight-month-old is just having vocal play and they're not saying spoon or mom yet it's okay. Language is going in. And as we're talking, as their little minds and bodies are developing, all this information is flowing in. And that's a really good thing. So if there's a speech delay, how can we support them through it? As they're playing, allow yourself to play also. Their brains and bodies are developing at rapid rates and it's absolutely incredible. Allow those pathways to continue to build on themselves, And when you're coming from a intentional place, from a, a good, intentional, I want to play, I want to have fun, learning starts and will continue to go from that space. So they are picking up what you're saying. It might not appear that way immediately, but there are just like there are roots in the ground as those plants are starting to grow and we have yet to actually see what we've we planted. That's the same exact thing. So information is going in. Allow it to come out in a supportive way. So once they do start vocalizing or if they're making approximations to celebrate it and even have more play rather than holding up a flash card of going blue, you say it, blue, blue, ooh, ooh, you make it fun. You make it engaging for them. You get them involved in it so that they they feel good about it and that they it's entertaining for them. Children's shows are entertaining for a reason. When they're educational and entertaining, it's a great so to approach it from an entertaining and educational way and to offer that support, you can interject questions. Oh, which one is which? Which one looks happy? Which one looks sad? And you can you can offer that expression of happy and that expression of sad to convey which one is happy or sad as you're playing with the little faces or or little picture cards, whichever, whichever one it is. Those are ways to keep it fun and keep it engaging. There are so many fantastic resources out there, especially with social media, to keep it fun and engaging. And if you can remember that, you're in good shape.
0: Yeah, I love that too, because um, one of the connection strategies that I teach is play listening. And I think, you know, aside from the fact that kids learn through play, it's also such a... um, like I've seen, especially in younger ones. In fact, I just had an example of this last weekend, like there was a two-year-old in the church nursery and he was like flicking the lights on and off. And I know the, I was like the adult in the room and there was mm-hmm. two teenagers and they were kind of like, you could tell they were trying to use these strategies, like the behavioral strategies to like get him to stop. And I was just like, oh, I can't see, you know, we can't see our art our, our activity or whatever. And he'd come over and I was kind of like, you know, just engaging in play (laughs) and we ended up playing ring around the Rosie and he just like laughed. And, um, I just think it's such a good reminder that kids need play. And sometimes we get stuck in just like trying to get through that. We forget about it, but it just also kind of eases the tension. You know, if you're starting to feel like, I don't know what to do here and you can kind of sense that they're getting frustrated, just, yeah. Bringing in play, I think is always helpful. Um,
1: it's it's so funny how many times, like, especially when they're doing something like that, I, and I used to think, oh, they're not listening. And now I think they need something else. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're not listening intentionally. That's just the signal that they are not entertained. We -hmm. need to find something else to entertain and to educate and using it as a signal rather than a misbehavior is a really, really helpful way to see it. Yeah. I like that too, because I think, Sometimes
0: kids just don't know, like, and have, like, I have two kids, a six and a three-year-old and my six-year-old is very like, by the book, he wants everything and everybody to do it the way that it's supposed to be done. And my three-year-old is like, oh, you don't want me to talk louder. Okay. 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 You know? And it's just like, it's exactly what he does. Like he signals, I either need help. I need connection. I need something else by like what other people would perceive as misbehavior. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to recognize that it's okay to play. Like, it's not like you giving in or whatever to their behavior, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but it is really helping them to learn and process. Yeah. Like I need something else. Let's, let's move on here or whatever it might be. Um, if you have anything else you want to share, feel free. But the last question that I wanted to Um, ask you aside from just like where people can find you and all that is if there are any indicators that you would say I know you mentioned like you know there's obviously a lot of checklists that you can go look up but is there um maybe even guidelines that aren't maybe specific to checklists but thinking like if somebody is wondering maybe this could be an issue that we need to check out um when would you recommend, or are there certain things that you would have parents look for or anything like that, that might be a good indicator for them to maybe even just to call in and ask. And if they do call in, is that like a, um, you know, kind of what's that process like for them?
1: Absolutely. So if anybody had questions, the first thing that I would say is trust your instincts, because as parents and guardians, when we get those inclinations, there are times where, yes, we might be overthinking it, but at the same time, hmm, we might not be. And there are so many families that I get on the phone that I get on zoom and they'll say and so told me not to call but I just I'm so glad I did and truly to talk to a a professional this in, this is what I do for a living so that's a really good thing I'm not somebody who's trying to sway you one way or another you either need services or you don't there's really no in between or it's it's very ethical it's very this is what I'm seeing. The choice is up to you. Here's my observation. Sometimes when we can get family involved or friends involved, they're trying to soothe you. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't do that. Don't do that. And as good as their intentions are, they're not necessarily clinical based. So if you have concerns, I would hands down reach out to a professional at any point in your life, whether it's speech therapy, physical therapy, any time of anything, because it's so much more helpful to get that other perspective and we're seeing things that you might not see and that other people might not think of so always reach out to a professional when it comes to guidelines i really like the the easy to remember one year old they're going to have one year one word vocabulary two years old they're going to have two word vocabulary three years old three word and what that looks like is at one year old they might be saying juice at two years they're going to start going juice please at three years they're going to go more juice please and it's going to build. So that's a really good thing. And that is the the kind of Swiss army knife of information that I usually like to pass to people. But also when they're following directions, if your little one, if you're getting ready with your keys in your hand and you got your coat on, you go, okay, we're going to go outside. And they're looking at you and they're not initiating to put their shoes on or they're not initiating to go look for their coat. That's an indicator that they, it might be that they don't want to but it also might be that they don't know what you're asking them. They don't know what to anticipate next. And they're in the environment but they're not piecing the environment together. Whereas if we see people with coats on and keys and shoes, it's usually an indicator somebody's leaving and somebody's going outside. Or, you know, if if we say, "Hey, let's go outside. Let's go find our shoes." And they go come they go and come back with their teddy bear. Did they not understand the direction? Did they get lost along the way? Those are receptive language skills as in How do they understand what's being asked of them? Or do you want juice or do you want something? And they're not too sure what you said, unless they're getting a visual. Because visuals are very, very helpful. So if you're noticing some signals like that, definitely reach out to a speech pathologist. And what I love about Better Speech, aside from the fact that we're online and we're in your home where you're most comfortable, we're over 150 therapists strong and we are throughout the entire US and we're also international. So as a board certified clinician, I graduated from a school and then I am also licensed by five boards. So I'm licensed in five different states, which allows me to work with people in Colorado and people in Delaware and people in Florida. So that, I think that's truly a beautiful thing. And to be able to use technology to our advantage is incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah, I um, I have worked in a clinic, I've worked in a school, um, yeah. but most recently I've been um, before now that I'm home with my kids, um, I worked in, in home, I like went into people's homes, but it was so helpful because you're actually in their environment. And I felt like mm-hmm. so much in the clinic while there was this great intention, even if I would say, do you have any questions, you know, about how to kind of like transition this, they'd be like, mm-hmm. no, I got it." and then I know they got home and it just kind of yeah. was more difficult. And so being, like directly in the home, whether it's in the home or like Mm -hmm. this way online, I think is just such a huge benefit because you're actually there with their stuff, with what you can see and that sort of thing. Um, So if they, they could just contact you. I mean, I'll, I'll get all the contacts in in the show notes, but if they were to do that, then is there like a, I know you said they'd be connected with somebody if they have questions Um, kind of how to maybe just a little bit about how that process works. Like if they call in and they have questions, do you do like a consult? Do you set up an evaluation? You know, kind of like, what does that look like?
1: Absolutely. So if you reach out to us, you just simply visit betterspeech.com and you can click free consultation. And from there, it'll trigger you through trip you through the process of how to set up your appointment people sign up they can whether they want to do one session at a time or one month at a time it's entirely up to you and how you'd like to operate so if you're like i don't know maybe maybe let me just try this we can always modify things if you say if say you signed up for a month and we said okay well you, you guys are doing great you don't need any speech therapy services we can simply reverse that and then only have only one session completed if you are thinking you would like more speech therapy services and after we give our recommendation, you're in agreement with them, you can absolutely sign up for monthly services. And that way you meet with a speech language pathologist, whether it's every, every week for 30 minutes or twice a week for 30 minutes or whatever the recommendation is, and you're in agreement with it, you then get the same therapist. It's not like we pass you around to so-and-so that's the beauty of it. It's truly personalized. And we are in your home and there are so many kids that will walk with the laptop showing me their playroom or showing me where they keep their toys or their books. And it's, it's truly lovely to be able to provide care and service in their environment because in this, especially now there was a period of time where if you, during the pandemic, parent and guardian were separated in the clinical room. And then as uh, same, same here, I was an outpatient clinic, clinician for a while and I'm telling them all this information in quick two to three minutes and they weren't a part of the therapy session and best of luck. See you next week. Whereas now with better speech, we're online. You can record it. You're a part of the therapy session. We get to literally show you here's how you implement it in your kitchen. Here's how you would implement it in in the bathroom or in in the um, playroom, whatever the case may be. And then they also get to share the therapy session with family or babysitters and understanding that these strategies are strategies to ultimately help you and your family get to where you want to go. And I think that's a really powerful thing because there are so many times where you, we know for sure people have left our therapy session going, I have so many more questions and I could have spent another such and such amount of time with them.
0: Yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that you could record it, but that's really good too, because, um, you know, the coaching that I do now, we record our sessions so that, you can go back and listen to it if you want to. Cause I feel like so often in the moment you're like, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. I can do that. And then afterwards you're like, wait a second. What? <laughs> um, so I love that too. And I know you kind of said the kids are, or sometimes like to show you things. So mm-hmm. it's mostly like you doing the work with a kid, like you would in a um, clinic and the parents are kind of, you know, looking or can jump in if they want to, or, you know, just a little bit about that, you know, what kind absolutely. of
1: looks like. Depending on how young the child is. And sometimes they'll say, really, you can do speech therapy with a toddler. Absolutely. Cause parent or guardian is absolutely there, but also because we have games and a platform that makes it really fun and engaging for them. And then when they're clients, they actually have access to that platform so they can practice apart from us and they're playing games, but they're also learning. So a lot of the time guardians are, or parents are a part of the therapy session and if they're not in quite literally the line view, they can hear me, and I'll even say, "Can you hear that, mom?" or do do you understand how why I'm doing this or how I'm doing this? Here's how you will do this. And being able to express what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and how I'm doing it is giving them the tools that they need. Yes, services that you and I provide are phenomenal. They're great. But parents and guardians are the ones that have to be the one that have to learn the tools to implement them when we're not there. And that's the beauty of it is being able to make it fun and functional also for the parents and guardians, because we, you know, when we come out of school, we have so much information and then we have life experience and we have all this information that can come out of us at one time, but they need to be able to do it in their way. So the fact that we, that we, yes, we're clinicians, but we also become teachers and we're also that support for that parent or guardian so that they can become the the honorary OT and the honorary speech therapist to their child.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's really great. Um, yeah, I just think being able to be in the home or with the parent involved can be just super helpful versus speech. the last um. Speech. And I think um, something with, when we were separated in the clinic, it was kind of like, we drop our kids off, you do the job and oh, yeah. we know about our day. And, you know, when you can just kind of be more integrated this way, it's really more about like, this is, you know, I am teaching you, like you said, mm-hmm. but this is really something that you have to practice throughout the week. Like I, can, you know, I would be like, well, I can't change something in 40 minutes one time. Mm-hmm. A week. You know, this is just really to give you the tools and to kind of guide you and modify it for you. And then you can take it from there. Um, well, if you have anything else you want to share, otherwise, thank you so much for joining. Um, and if you have anything you want to, I know we talked about your services already, but if there's anything else you want to share and then maybe where people can connect with you if they just wanna follow along with you, I don't know if you're on Instagram. Yeah,
1: you're welcome to follow us on all that social media stuff. If you, if you or your listeners ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at betterspeech.com. And it's truly a phenomenal service that Thankfully, technology allows us to be able to provide.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and tag me at KayleeJoseyer.com. And we'll all do a little happy dance together. i love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard. But don't forget, God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.